Side Boob Cinema, your podcast within a podcast. My name is Ricky Allpike, and joining me is Jonathan Astro and AJ. Hey, AJ! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I was waiting. I felt like I was a good little girl on my best babe. Yeah, waiting for you to go uh, first. <laughs> uh, so I'll do that one again. Sounded a I bit like it. yodeling. I'll do that one again. Hey, AJ! <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, I think we've got it down, guys. Well, look, I'll just keep trying new stuff and then, like, we'll see what sticks. <laughs> just see keep what spitballing. Sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know. <laughs> I mean, just like all the big ones keep spitting into that mic. You know <laughs> uh, now, not, not, not to pull back the curtain too much, but. Uh, I actually tried to get you guys to 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 say like a like a real hello back in the day, but sort of turned into this, which I I kind of like. I, I like to see what you guys come up with. Yeah, look, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, life's a disappointment. Well, moving on. Uh, dude, look like a lady who looks like a nun. We're talking about nuns on the run. Yes, ninety ninety. Nuns on the Run. Uh, I I watched this movie a lot. Yeah, me too. Really? I've yes. seen it so many times, maybe fifty or more times. Yep. Hundreds wow. Times. Easily. Sort of the movies. Got a video store. Like yep. Just just knew the lines. Yep. Loved it. So how long ago since your last viewing? Long time. Long. Yeah, time. it's been a while. Probably over ten years. Yeah. Right. Maybe more for me. Maybe more. Mm. Like I, I honestly don't think I've seen it since maybe in the nineties. But because I, I, it was like just a, 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 you know, really intense. And then I just, yeah, just I just put it away because I did. I, I, it was in me, you know. My bones. I don't need to bother yeah. with it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, but I just, it, it, it's, it's the mo. It's something about it is just so nineteen ninety. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like it's mm. uh, definitely from a different. Had you ever seen this, AJ? No. Wow. It's never come across your path. It has never. Mm. Nope. What a treat. Well, <laughs> that's good. Brian and Charlie were a couple of average, hardworking gangsters. Hit the dick when you're dead. You shot Louis, you twerp. Who'd had enough? I really hate this bank job. No insurance? No job security? You want to work for somebody else? No. No. Now, what we ought to do is steal the money for ourselves. Brian, I'm gonna kill you! Let go of me! You're trying to commit a major crime! Now. Hold it! Are you off your trolley? Throw them bags over here. They'll need more than divine inspiration. We're out of gas! You stupid dummy! They'll need a miracle. What is this place? You never get to the airport. The place will be crawling with cops. What are we going to do? And what is your name? Sister Inviolata of the Immaculate Conception. And yours? Sister Euphemia of the Five Wounds. Five Wounds, for short. They're nuns undercover. I don't look. Do you not usually wear makeup? It's our day off. Nuns in luck. We run a teacher training college for 18 to 22 year old girls. You have experience? Of 18 year old girls, yes, plenty. 
nuns in hot water. We all share bathrooms and showers, of course. We, we don't tolerate nudity in any shape or form, especially our shape. Nuns out of bounds. <laughs> and nuns off their rockers. Got any booze? But most of all, I want Brian and Charlie. Fade! They're nuns on the run. From now on, it's every nun for himself. Eric Idle. You'll never get away with this. Robbie Coltrane. This is our only chance to go straight. You call this going straight? Nuns on the run. The story of an immaculate deception. Tell us what happens in this movie. Okay, all right. Well, we'll get this out. We'll get this done quickly, okay? So... Uh, after a stressful bank heist, low-level London gangsters Brian Hope and Charlie McManus, uh, played by Eric Idle and Robbie Coltrane, respectively, they're both thinking uh, about getting out of the life. They're thinking of taking off to Brazil, knowing that it's the only way not to be topped by their new boss, Casey, who's already nailed one of their colleagues for just this reason. So while planning to steal drug money off Chinese triads, Brian falls in love with a charming and legally blind woman called Faith. And by chance, uh, Faith overhears uh, in another setting that crime boss Casey is going to plug Brian and, and Charlie during this triad heist the next day. So Faith goes to warn Brian during the heist and all hell breaks loose. Casey's hoods steal the drug money from the triads. Uh, then Brian and Charlie steal it from the Hoods, and then they even blow up uh, the Hoods' car uh, to make their escape. Faith is unfortunately shot in the wrist for her trouble. So unable to escape uh, the scene, the boys hide in a nunnery and decide to dress as nuns until the whole thing blows over. This is where they meet Sister Superior Liz, uh, played by Janet Sussman, and introduce themselves as Sister Euphemia of the Five Wounds and Sister Inviolata of the Immaculate Conception. As part of their cover, they teach religious education and uh, physical education to the new Biles at the teaching college attached to the nunnery, and they also avoid the unwanted advances of Father Seamus. Uh, Faith stumbles into the convent with her bullet wound, uh, which is discovered, uh, and she is then taken to an infirmary on site. Brian goes to visit her, and thanks to her bad eyesight, uh, hides his is able to hide his new his new identity uh, as a nun. He tells her that, uh, unfortunately, he is married, which we know is not true. This breaks her heart. She resolves to go to church and confess her sins, uh, you know, for getting involved with a gangster, presumably. Brian then also poses as a priest, and hears her confession, absolving her of her sins and hearing also that Faith not only has lustful thoughts for Brian, but has fallen for him. Uh, Brian uh, also convinces her to keep her trap shut and not to tell the police anything. So, Let's wrap it up. Brian and Charlie buy tickets to Brazil and then things really take off. In short, they're discovered by another nun, Sister Mary, and they make a dash to the airport pursued by Casey's hoods, the triads and the nuns. They take a detour and pick up Faith where she and Brian confess their love for each other. They escape, but not before Casey's arrested. One of the suitcases of money's dropped, leaving them with one only, which is, you know, more than enough. Sister Liz decides that it's a sign from God and uses the money to fund a drug rehab clinic 
Charlie, Brian, and Faith arrive at the airport where the cops are looking for them, so the boys cook up one last manoeuvre. Cut to Faith in first class being served by two very manly hostesses. Trans lives matter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I've seeing it this time round. I forgot how much is crammed in the first ten minutes of the movie. Mm. You know, you get you get the um, the bank heist. Uh, the guy accidentally shoots the, the you know the one hood accidentally shoots the other hood. He dies. Then uh, you know the boys they they talk to each other and they decide they want to get out. Then they talk to the well they steal a car and then they talk to the guy. Uh, who who takes the stolen cars and he says he wants to get out of the job and 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 then um, and then the triads thing happens and then uh, you know then they decide to you know uh, hope finds out that um, sorry faith finds out that 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 uh, case is going to kill them and then you know it's just all of that happens so quickly it's like cramming all this stuff in just so we can get into the nunnery you know we're all <laughs> we're the not, fun we, games it takes happen, twenty minutes you know? to get there normally it would. I don't know. Like, I mean, I was, I think that's fine, but I was surprised when I was watching it again. I was like, normally they'd be, it would be, you know, within the first fifteen or something, mm-hmm. like you know. So that mm. an extra ten minutes of setup is actually quite a lot. Mm. But I just felt like it was really quick. Like so much happened. Yes. in that opening bit certainly mm. didn't drag. No. So AJ, well, before we get get into everything, we got to know. I mean, you, I mean, we're not going to have a very you know, we're obviously a bit biased. So, you know. <laughs> so what are you? What did you? What did you make? Was it? Was it total bollocks? Or? Um, I thought there were really good parts of it. Like, I really liked the start. How you thought that they worked for a bank? I didn't think they were bank robbers. <laughs> yeah, simple, right? But yeah, that was really good. I really liked that she couldn't see. So um, good. Yeah. I think they could have done more with that, maybe. Because you, you <laughs> done more with it. Well, they, they did a lot. Could have done more. They did a lot with it, but they, I think they could have made it more dumb. You know how I like dumb humor. I I think the subtitle of this movie is Mrs. Magoo. You know, <laughs> nuns on the run, Mrs. Magoo. No, look, I, I'm with you, AJ. Um, look, broad comedy is impossible to defend and absolutely necessary for human happiness. Yeah. And <laughs> and if you can't laugh at a legally blind woman running into things. <laughs> Causing accidents, then That's you right. then you live in a hell realm. Okay, yes. I can't help you. <laughs> well, that's good. No, because I, I just I I think that that is something that we don't get enough of now. Because now you know we're going to get into what now it would be now, but you wouldn't be able to do that now. They'd mm. say they'd say that's prejudice, and you'd say, "Come on, is it?" Mm. You know, yeah. Is it is it that easy to pull the wool over blind people's eyes, so to speak? Uh, well. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've known some people who haven't got great eyesight, and they're, yeah, they're worried. They're a lot. They're worried. <laughs> do, you think, <laughs> do you think that they'd be better with voices? Because you'd surely... oh, yes, yes. Well, it's very, very vaudeville, isn't it? You yeah, know, they've gone for this vaudeville, that very uh, stagey, you know, sort yep. of um, uh, approach to to those setups. So, AJ, are Robbie Coltrane? And Eric Idle, are they convincing as women when they're in the habit? <laughs> because because I can't really tell anymore. Like as a kid, I totally bored it. I'm like, well, no, you didn't. well, they look. Yeah, I did because I'm like that old nun, the sister Mary that sits out the front. I'm like, I'm looking at her and I'm looking at them and I'm like, well, it's not yeah, that much difference much. except in height. You know, I'm like, they kind of look the same. The same. <laughs> same. No? Pretty much the same. <laughs> 
So she could have been in Cracker and Harry Potter and the rest of it. That's amazing. (laughs) You know the one thing I thought? I thought... I thought Robbie Coltrane looked more feminine when he was in like male clothes with with trousers because you really saw his feminine hips, mm. don't you think? Um, and 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 he had this sort of like limp, uh, sort of lesbian nineties nineties lesbian hair as well, you know. Okay, yeah, I'll pay that. And yeah. and and I felt like he was more confident when he was in the nun's habit. He just he didn't look as confident when he was dressed as a man. That's interesting. Mm. Um. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's hilarious when he runs. Something about him running—it was just funny because he's yeah. fat. Is yeah, it? I guess so. Like a lot of it is like he's one of these guys who's built a career on on being fat. Yeah, he didn't sell out like Rebel Wilson get thin. I yeah. knew you were going to say her. Now, now <laughs> she's now she's unfunny and not even fat. So was she, was she ever funny? Well, no, she wasn't. But I'm saying that she was always that, but now she's thin as well. So, and now she's got no work. Yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's I'm sorry that you've, you've had a good run. So, moving on. <laughs> so, um, I I thought Robbie Coltrane was great. I um I would trade, I would sacrifice every single one of the Harry Potter movies for this one. Yeah, every single one. I'd agree. Like if you said. <laughs> You said, "Oh my God, no! Look, the, you know, we, uh, I have to throw one into the into the the, the pit of hellfire." I'd go, "Oh, just yeah, throw the Harry Potters in there, and we'll just keep we'll keep this one because it's better work from Robbie." So <laughs> I, do I don't care about Hagrid, and I don't care about him crying about Hagrid either in the HBO thing. I don't care about all that. So, and I know, what, what, I, tell, I, tell me about this. He cries in the HBO thing. No, oh, they just saw some clip of him getting all emotional about playing Hagrid. It's like, shut up, Robbie. It's just did he you know, did, did he not up. stand up for uh, the woman who wrote the thing? No, none of them did. So it's because they are all they're all um, they're all hypocrites. So mm. rich hypocrites. We've got rich JK's work. And this was when you think about it. I mean, Nuns on the Run probably did a lot more for trans rights. Really, I mean, <laughs> like it's getting you to getting like you know uh, to accept people as they are. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't know. So yeah, look, there's a couple of broad things. Um, uh, this script is this script is actually very good. Uh, I I. I you know, you can fault maybe some of the execution or something, but the reason that the, the my synopses that sound the most bland are usually because um, I'm actually following the beats and I'm like, oh, this is actually quite good. <laughs> so, so it, you know, I, and, and and someone listening might be like, oh no, that sounded crap or that's no good. And I'm like, I would just implore that person to attempt to write me a 90 minute feature involving you know this kind of setup. I don't think it happened. <laughs> it, it is very tight, isn't it? It's not even ninety minutes, is it? It's like eighty-eight or something. Yeah, it's it's tight, and and you just this has got all sorts of stuff in it that you just completely take for granted when you just sit on the couch and you go, oh, fucking dumb, and you go, no, 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 it's actually quite good. So there's a lot of setups in it that are really great. Like, you know, I mean, yes, it's very stagey and very big, but that's that's actually a style. That's you know, that's that's the style they've got they've gone they've gone with. It's 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 um it's very broad. And so, you know, it's got these great reversals, like having to 
you, you know, breaking out of the or get breaking into the convent and then like, you know, leaving and then having to break back in and then, yeah. you know, like all those great, you've got, I mean, it's just great the way they, the way they uh, have these, these, these repetitions going mm. all the way through. It's interesting on the, on the VHS release cover of Nuns on the Run, it stated uh, that the film was, if some like it hot were remade with the carry on cast. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, well, I mean, it is. This is a this is a tradition, you know. And actually, I don't know what the future of this tradition is because some like it hot is, you know, I'm sure there are other examples earlier, but that that's the most famous example that we have of this genre of of the of the that's I don't know the the drag genre of of mm. and 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 it's sort of, I mean, there are examples where 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 we've got. Uh, women doing it, like just one of the guys or or whatnot, or you know, doing that sort of thing. But really, the most iconic ones, I don't think it's controversial to say, are men dressing up as women. That's mm. that's probably. And uh, there are people who've made, and the British have run with this. Like they yeah. just all of those. Think of all the times you've seen in in Monty Python and Carry On and all this skit show in Little Britain, yeah. Little Britain. <laughs> Now, look, I know that those two men, well, at least one of them is a total cuck now, but that show is amazing. It is. And it is amazing. And their their cross-dressing in that is amazing. That's what I used to call it. Don't you think they just made it in time? Before? Little Britain. Yeah, like yes. if they'd made it five, five minutes. Five minutes later. Yes. No way that's yeah, well, no way they'd get away. Well, literally it. five minutes later. Um, at least Matt Lucas, one of the, he has, he's a total, um, like just, you know, filled with regret and shame about the whole affair. And I'm just mm. like, wow, what a, what a, what a, what a turnaround. Like, yeah. I mean, and, and it's one of those things where I'm so thankful that, um, that he, that people like him aren't in charge of their own art because, you know, we've got it. We've got it forever. And I get to show people and say, this is funny. So they kind of got semi cancelled though. Did they? Yeah, yeah the, the BBC took it off. Yeah, uh, you can't see it on the BBC anymore. Yeah, yes, but but the, the, but they but they got cancelled, and then I'm I can't I can't quite get the chronology right because I, I I think I read apologies, right. was, or they were there was certainly there were certainly comments of of regret that they made it at all at least from mm. Matt Luke. Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, no, was. sure, yeah. So that's, that's true, that and happened. it was kind of around the same time um, with Chris Lilly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Similar timing. But the interesting thing is, like, you could cancel. I mean, I just might as well follow the track for a bit. So, so if you if you think about Little Britain dressing up as women, like, take their sketch, the I'm a lady sketch, right? <laughs> so if you don't know the I'm a lady sketch, well, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Just go and look. Go and watch it. Go Little Britain I'm a lady sketch. Now, so two men, or at least one of them, uh, well, uh, uh, they dress up as not just women. They dress up as like. <laughs> As Victorian women, like so, in these big, you know, extravagant dresses, and they say, "I'm a lady," you know. So it's not that <laughs> Doing he wants lady things. So it's not that he just wants to be a woman or pass as a woman. He wants to be a woman from 150 years ago. <laughs> so, and if you don't know why that's funny, then. I don't know what to tell you. So yeah. and and so that these people by giving in on that, maybe there's some other sketches that they that that are a bit more you know troubling or whatever for some people. But I think that sketch, if we're talking about in relation to this movie, uh, you know, I don't know because how are we going to rescue drag? Because even 
even with uh, Caitlyn Jenner, uh, you know, doing everything she's done and and you know all the all the civil rights stuff, isn't isn't a like a, a certain kind of man dressing up as a woman and putting on a funny voice? Isn't that still funny? Will you be having cake? If they have a ladies' cake, then yes. But only if we are ladies, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are most definitely two of them. Yes. <laughs> Why don't you order for both of us? I'm off to uh, powder my nose. I think it's interesting what's happened uh, about drag, and I'm no expert. I know very little about it, but oh, it seems like... You've been, you've been studying this for long enough now. <laughs> it, like seems, it seems like uh, current drag is like they've pushed it so far, it's like they, they, they look almost indistinguishable from a woman, you know, mm. whereas before... Um, you know, you, you'd have drag queens with hair chests and stuff like that. You know, to be well, like. Well, I'm in Sydney, and I see, I still see the Priscilla style um, drag uh, queen like posters around. So there's still mm. people rocking that out. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's where they sit in the pecking order now, because I feel like that that they would. My my feeling from the outside, you know, if we just go go with the usual rule, which is uh, everything, it's it's upside down day or whatever. It's like yeah, so. In other words, just take whatever was happening before and reverse it. I feel like those. The, the, if you're a drag queen, you're probably being persecuted now for some reason. I'm not sure. I'm not certain why, but mm. that, if, if I had to take a guess, I bet I could go on Pink News now or Stonewall or whatever in order to say that they're bigots of some description. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they're they're different in that drag was always about um, satirizing the the female experience. You know. Mm. It was like a, an amplified version of of femininity or something like, but now it's weird because people tr trans women are, are seeking authenticity, whereas I think that is something different. You know? Oh, I don't know what to look. We might as well since we talk about this stuff all the time. I, mean, I don't know what they're seeking to be on. To be honest with you, like like because because the I think there's probably a lot of trans people who we don't hear from. <laughs> I think we hear mm. from some very vocal activists who probably aren't even trans more than, more than anything. I think we hear from mm. most people and they'd be the ones to get nuns on the run canceled. <laughs> yeah. You know, they'd be the ones saying that this is bigotry and, and whatever. And you say, well, is it like, I mean, two men mm. dressing up as nuns is, I mean, and it's Robbie Coltrane and Eric Idle. Yeah. Look at them. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Look at their faces. <laughs> like, like, isn't there a point where you go, yeah, like that's that's funny. I mean, they don't look like they don't look like um like women at all. <laughs> uh, who who looks like who who's the who makes the best woman? Eric Idle or Robbie Coltrane? Well, Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, like, I think so. Passes mm. more because Eric Idle like he's just got this weathered. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, seriously, he was only forty six at this point. I I, mm. I he looks significantly older. Mm. He does, doesn't he? I don't get it. Maybe he's a smoker or something. Yeah, maybe he does sort of that look because I've just never understood why he just looks so so old there. Mm. But yeah, no, Robbie's Robbie's I think a bit, little bit younger. He's quite baby faced. Yeah, well, this is actually his uh, feature film debut, I think. Oh wow! Yeah, or no, no, I've I've got it as a trivia as it's his breakthrough film role. Oh right. So, sure. Yeah, he's great. Love he him. is good. Yeah, yeah. love him. Yeah. Like just just. Yeah, electric. This this film was written and directed by Jonathan Lynn, who co-created and co-wrote Yes Minister. Legendary. And, oh, wow. And also uh, other film credits include Clue, My Cousin Vinny, and The Whole Nine Yards. 
So yeah. he's done some serious stuff. No, he's got he's got a, a, a quite a, a decent decent real career. I mean, considering the whole nine yards made like a hundred million dollars or something. Wow! And it was and made for like my cousin years. Vinny took out Oscars and shit. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mate. So yeah. I mean, these are these are you know, and there's some there's some middling stuff in there, but it's all real stuff, you know. Mm. So he's worked with Michael J. Fox, uh, Steve Martin, uh, Michael Richards, uh, Eddie Murphy. So you know, yeah, and uh, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, no. I, I, what a, what an amazing uh, career! Great writer, and very talented, and the type of uh, I don't know, just the type the type of talent that um, yeah, it's quite rare. Mm. I mean, bro, yes, minister, mm. amazing, yeah. just amazing stuff, yep. you know. And I think that's the stuff in this movie that is is really clever is is quite underrated like you know maybe i'll play you guys a little example here but this is this is why john this script by jonathan lynn is uh next level you got a class in 15 minutes okay explain the trinity mm, well, it's a bit of a bugger well it can't be that difficult you've been a catholic all your life well here's the pitch You've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The three are one. Like a shamrock, my old priest used to say. Three leaves, but one leaf. Now, the Father sent down the Son, who was love. And then when he went away, he sent down the Holy Spirit, who came down in the form of a... You told me already, a ghost. No, a dove. The dove was a ghost? No, the ghost was a dove. And the... Let me try and summarise this. God is his Son, and his Son is God... But his son moonlights as a Holy Ghost, a Holy Spirit, and a dove, and they all sent each other, even though they're all one and the same thing. Got it. What? He really could be a nun. <laughs> Thanks. Wait a minute. What I said, does that make any sense to you? Well, no. No, but it makes no sense to anybody. That's why you have to believe it. That's why you have to faith. I mean, if it made sense, it wouldn't have to be a religion, would it? <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit. You, you know what makes this really good is that uh, Robbie Coltrane's character Charlie, he, he he's Catholic, so he, he sort of knows a little bit about mm. it, about the whole thing. And Eric Idle knows nothing, and so you know uh, Robbie has to sort of school him along the way. But but you know because he's a gangster, he's sort of he's fallen out with religion, and he's a bit of a schmuck too. So he's like that explanation there. Uh, is is pretty crazy, but I love those little insights into the religion that that come along mm. through Charlie's character. You know, you only think to do that if you're very skilled. So so he's thought through the whole setup. He's like, well, you know, it's it would it, it, intuitively it it's better if one of them is has a Catholic, and he's and mm. he's also a Catholic boy who's gone wrong because he's mm. a gangster. Yeah. So that is he's in need of a little bit of a little bit of redemption. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And and uh there's two things here. It'll lead you into uh, something that I want you guys to answer but, but but this actually gives us a um he gives us a different perspective as well. So uh, it took me just to just rewatching a couple of bits. This is the stuff that I never understood at the time. So you know, we get uh Eric well um uh, Brian's perspective which 
you know, in the in the latter part of twentieth part of twentieth century and now is is I would argue in the West uh, totally uncontroversial. So his his uh, secular view and and mm. being non uh, non uh, charitable uncharitable towards uh, religion and and whatever and disbel- completely disbelieving and and whatever and very cynical. His view I think is, is is shared by a lot of people. You might know people yourself who believe this. Now, what I never really really got before was. These lines, like, um, they're, they're, you know, Brian's doing his normal thing of denigrating religion. And then Charlie says, those nuns, because he's saying, Brian's saying stuff like, the church is a big setup to get rich, you know, like KFC. Mm. Yeah. And then, then, then Charlie says, those nuns aren't rich, you know, they're good people. Mm. And and they're happier than us, probably. You know what I mean. So he's bringing a, a perspective, and he's saying it through through you know whispering it. It's a comic setup and everything, but but they're deftly handling it so it doesn't seem preachy. Mm. Uh, but but that stuff's in there. There's a perspective in this, and that's that's important because he's trying, they're not. You got to be clear about who and what's being made fun of here. And mm. it's not good yeah. people who who are just trying to do good things and believe a certain believe what they believe and trying to help people. So I think that's maybe getting a little lost as well. Mm. I, I think that that's the stuff that really, uh, really adds to the to the film. You know, if it was just them in nuns' habits, like schlepping around, it it, it wouldn't be as powerful. I don't think. Well, it would be like no. white chicks. Yeah, <laughs> great <laughs> movie. Which is which, which has got some funny stuff in it. Don't get me wrong. Oh. But uh, there, no, there's no second level to no. white chick. <laughs> well, <laughs> just on this topic, the, the, one of my favourite quotes is so. So Brian asks one of the nuns early on when they get there, and her name is like Sister Mary of the Annunciation, to explain to the Mother Superior uh, their rule about not sharing communal showers. And annoyed, Charlie asks why Brian asked her to do that. Did you ask her to explain it? Well, it's her job, isn't it? Annunciation, isn't that a classy word for announcement? Yes, if you are the angel of the Lord and you're declaring to the Virgin Mary she's about to conceive by the Holy Ghost and have an immaculate conception. But not, Brian, not because you want a private shower because you're pretending to be a nun and you're frightened the other nuns might see your dick. <laughs> Wonderful. Great line. It's so good. <laughs> it is, good. It's a magnificent line. And, uh, yeah, again, next level, next mm. level. Like, he's, it's, it's, it's a very nuanced, like, and... Yeah. It's it's character based and and it makes sense. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that they, they've got a genuine problem. They need to get out of there, and they can't be having a shower for those reasons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> so I have I have a a, a flaw. I found a flaw. Well, what I think is a flaw. Now we've been doing this for long enough that I'm just going to lay out very quick points, and I want you guys to. You'll, I think you'll be able to pick it. Tell me why this doesn't work. This is a scripting flaw, okay? So tell me what it is. So Brian and Charlie's thread, their narrative thread, and Sister Liz's thread finally clash, you know, when we we discover that the convent is actually out of pocket because one of the nuns has been blowing a bunch of cash uh, on the horses, mm. if I'm correct. I love that part. <laughs> I thought Sister, that was amazing. Sister Mary, I think. And she's a drunk as well. Yeah, like, yeah she is. She's nice, you know. So she's, she's, you know, she's in the struggle as well. Uh, Brian and Charlie and Faith escape from Case, the bad guy. And in the process, they lose one of these two suitcases for the cash. Okay. So the case is shortly after found by Sister Liz. 
and subsequently used in her final scene to pay for a new drug rehab clinic. So the idea is that they were going to set up a drug rehab clinic and they, 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 the whole film, they're doing this auditing and we know that they're out of pocket and then they happen upon this case uh, at the end and then they end up using it uh, to, to pay for the thing. So what is the problem here? Can you identify a problem of why that might be a problem for... Uh, either of those narrative threads. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, so she's found it. Well, I like that crime did pay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So crime, crime, crime did pay, <laughs> which is funny. So, um, but I'm, uh, but, uh, but the specific issue, like, I have, is that you know this wasn't something being uh, that was set up as being something sister sister Liz needed to learn. Mm. you know what i mean so yeah. there's actually no change in her so no. it's wasted so so you know if, if at the beginning so and this is a very good script i thought but but if i had to do one final pass and it takes like it would take that final pass when someone's done all that work on it to say okay now all of it's there what we need to do is take sister liz and we need to have her at a different place uh at the beginning of the story and we need you know, I question, you know, whether we need this this uh, accident of them finding the money. Uh, you know, I think my setup would be that. I mean, we just talked. Well, actually, we just talked about um, about Charlie. So Charlie's a a a a, a, a Catholic boy gone bad. Mm. So how would you fix it? Yeah, he he leaves the money there. Yes, mm. simple, simple. Yeah. Simple, okay. But he was greedy. He wanted both the cases. Yeah, I know, but this is silly. This is there's one of those things where you say, okay, like, you know, yes, you got to play for laughs, but at the same time, when it comes to character and laughs, go for character. Mm. So you need it to be. He decides to leave it because then you go, you'd go, you'd have it all. You'd go, oh wow, mm. like that's that's he's changed, and you know because. Otherwise, they're just gonna they're they're doomed to repeat, and so um, you know that's what separate that's what makes movies like you know random example like makes what make the first Austin Powers for example so superior, is that we always forget it we we remember all the disgusting fat bastard stuff and whatever and in the later movies and whatever but you forget the pathos of that first movie and you forget the scenes that are the most important in that first movie which is Austin you know, looking over in the bar, sadly, at the people and he's out of touch, you know, mm. from the 60s and they're laughing at him and they think he's pathetic and a loser. And uh, and and then he has to, you know, Dr. Evil exploits that and says to him, you know, um, you're, you're at, you know, you're from the 60s, which is a bad time and uh, and you're maybe you're a bit evil. And then he says, nah, he's like, no way, you know, and and he and he, you know, flips, flips the script and and, and has actually learned you know, to be to be more modern, you know, to still be fun and be Austin, but to be more modern. And the only reason I do that laborious setup is to say that, you know, if you want to get to that next level, if you're, the comedies that stick with us, the ones that that really put us over the top, are the ones that just hit those 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 other other notes as mm. well as as well as as well as being funny. And uh, so I think that they missed the trick here. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. true. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> say something, then. Say something, say something good then. <laughs> So, uh, Father Seamus. Oh, okay. <laughs> is is celibacy as hard for a man as it is for a woman? I wonder. 
wondered if you'd like to talk about your desires. <laughs> funny, very funny. <laughs> Father Pearson told me you could hardly keep your hands to yourself. I'm a man. That's why I flirt a little. Mm. Well, I'm not that sort of nun. <laughs> Tell me, is celibacy just as difficult for a woman as it is for a man? I wouldn't know. I must come clean, though. I... I had a man in my bed last night. All night. You see, the way I see it, sex is allowed. <laughs> no, no, it's the doctrine of original sin. You see, we're all born sinful, except for Jesus, who was perfect, of course. And he was sent to save us. But how can he save us unless we're sinning? So we have to go on sinning in order to be saved and go to heaven. That's how Christianity works. That's why it suits so many people. Now, I think because he, he slips up and he says, I don't, you know, I wouldn't know. That's clever. Then, hmm. then he's got to create that story about how he's, he was with him, uh, that she, he, she was uh, with a man all night. Oh, which is, which is quite upset. <laughs> yeah. Because she doesn't <laughs> see, I'm not going to dead name it like you do, but, but she doesn't, uh, uh, take back her story. She doesn't say it was all the beat up. She says no. that she just keeps it out there. Like, and we yeah. meant to think that this nun just had a man with her all night. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I love the philosophy where she says, you know, um, the Son of God comes down to earth to save us, uh, save us sinners. And if we're to be saved, then we have to go on sinning or else we can't be saved. Well, that, that does have a sort of a circular logic. Hmm. Um, as to his question, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, a, it's a good question. I think, um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, in the contest, uh, Elaine sort of held out a lot longer. So mm, true. Mm. Yeah. Maybe that's there's some something in that. Now I want to talk <laughs> villains. Oh yeah. This did guy. You, did you <laughs> like know. the villains? I don't know about this guy. Case. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was his name? Case. Casey. Case. Or, yeah, they call him Case. Case. Yeah. He I wasn't scared when mm. I looked at him, mm. but he did seem like a bit of a loose cannon. Yes. So that is kind of scary, but looking at him, he wasn't a typical villain. Yeah. But how scary could you go with him? Like, did you, if it was like Bricktop from Snatch or something, like, would that <laughs> would that be? Is that too much, or does it need to be that? It needs to be something, or he needs to be more crazy. Because you don't feel you didn't feel uh, jeopardy. No, not really. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, he reads comics. He's a comic book guy. Bold, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think but, they've they've tried to paint him as this, you know, just deranged, young and brash. Mm, yeah, yeah, and that's they could have played that up more. Mm, yeah. I think. Well, I also didn't get until I read about it that the guy. So when they're in their ba- and they're doing their original bank heist in the first scene, they do this. They, they do the which I loved as a as a kid when they do this sort of the the just the shooting in the air, the Uzi, mm. the and one bullet ricochets and actually <laughs> hits one of the bank robbers and he falls down. He says, "You just shot." Oh, I forget the guy's name. Yeah. Uh, so and so, you dickhead, or you asshole, <laughs> you asshole. Yeah. And, and um, which, <laughs> but that guy apparently that guy's their boss. Or whatever. Oh. 
by Red, oh. and, it's, and then Case is this new boss. Oh, right. Okay. Right. I never got that. Does that make okay. sense? A little bit more. Well, I don't know. Something's <laughs> missing. Something's but missing. I did like the other guy with the dental floss. I like oh, that yeah. gag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Simple, effective for uh, AJ. <laughs> what's, what's his name? Abbott or Morley? Which one is he? Morley. Morley. Yeah. Yes. That always stuck with me that he's constantly flossing his teeth. <laughs> like an obsessive compulsive disorder or something. Yeah, yeah I like it. Very strange. Very I strange. Liked it. Where did they go? We don't know. Where did the girl go? We don't know. Why did they abandon the car? We don't know. Listen carefully. I want that money. I want that girl alive to find out what she knows. And I want Brian and Charlie. Dead! So to return to what this movie's actually making fun of again, now, because I think this we touched upon this a little earlier. So I, I feel like this movie is making fun of orthodoxy and stiffs and silly ideas. So we've established that it's not making fun of nuns. No. <laughs> it thinks nuns are good, good mm. people. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's not making fun necessarily of faith, I don't think, um, necessarily. It is making fun, as I say, of orthodoxy and stiffs and, and silly ideas. So back in the day, in the 80s, you know, we got Margaret Thatcher's UK conservative government. You know, you can read all about that. It was a very terrible time if you were, you know, sort of on the left or creative or whatever. I uh, felt very oppressed. And so, but then again, left-wing politics was a bit loopy as well. So, but back then you could make fun of conservative stiffs and religious politi- or political zealots, you know, and, um, you know, the church, uh, complicated doctrine, scripture, whatever, right? Like anyone who was who's sort of hot under the collar. But, and this was actually... Uh, a much celebrated aspect of the of the Pythons and Monty Python. The only reason I bring that up is because this director is sort of in their orbit, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And we've got yeah. a Python in the movie and, yeah. you know, sort of I feel like he's one of these surrogates of, of that kind of movement and, and we can get into Handmade, the, the, the production company, uh, a bit later. So Jonathan Lynn knows that he's done Yes Minister and whatnot. So politics in Yes Minister, religion here, it doesn't really matter. The point is they're both filled with sort of inconsistent and silly notions worth making, worth, you know, making fun of or poking fun at because they're, they're they're so important to so many people and today is very different you know and and the sands have shifted and the institutions and people worth making fun of are they're not a jovial bunch uh today so i don't know i think we need this kind of comedy now don't you like yeah. like, like this kind of comedy where you know where the nuance needs to be um if you are a a hot under the collar, like uh, just um, unbalanced lunatic woke person, that is inherently funny. How could that not be funny? Like, do you know what I mean? Or if you're even better, if you're in an institution and you're like a David Brent figure, but you've bought into all this diversity stuff and you and you're essentially saying the craziest stuff that you don't even really believe or whatever, mm. that is inherently funny too. So you're Rick yeah. from the young ones. Yeah, that's right though. But but that's the thing. Rick is funny. Like, and imagine back then being Rick uh would have been there was a lot of Ricks back in the day. And mm. and actually, when you think about it, Thatcher was um whacking that generation straight in the dick. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, like really taking, really putting them through their paces. And people who are like Rick in The Young Ones, the series, if you haven't heard of it, uh, people listening, uh, he is like this, this left-obsessed, um, uh, <laughs> ridiculous student <laughs> anarchist sort of, you know, like just a great, one of the greatest characters ever. Oh, they all are, but he's just spectacular. And so think about the courage of, Ben Elton and he and the, and I can't believe I'm talking about Ben Elton, but um, but but Ben Elton and 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 the the people behind that comedy to give a whack to or even everyone in the young ones like they mm, gave they gave right. it, they gave it to a hippie I don't know mm. what, I don't know what Mike's deal is but they gave it they gave it to a hippie they gave it to the anarchist in in Viv they mm. give, they're given it to Rick the Rick I think is probably the one who they've encountered <laughs> the most it's probably a lot more like them and. Think about that. Like they, they were at the, the probably in that powerless generation, and they, and they gave a whack out to everyone. Like, mm. like, and they made they were able to make fun of cops and the racism of cops as well. Like they, like, and all sorts of stuff. Like, like they, they really went for it. Mm. Like, like, there's a magnificent scene in uh, in one of the episodes of the Young Ones where um, this cop is just like he pulls up one of the, one of our one of our heroes, and he's just being the worst racist guy to him, and and mm. he's wearing these sunglasses, and then he takes his sunglasses off. And like the cop, then he goes, "Oh, sorry," because <laughs> like, he he thought the cop, was, which is just <laughs> you know so deeply offensive now. <laughs> but oh, but it's it's funny because of you know probably something that was terribly true, yeah. you know, and felt true, and probably what people needed. And so I feel like now that it's twenty years past uh, the office and that golden at second golden age we had, mm. like you know, in two thousand. Fuck man, what are people doing? What's what are what are what is comedy doing? What are they doing? Why aren't why don't we just have have this? We have to turn to nuns on the run mm. to, to try and save us. <laughs> like, yeah. like we need someone to take these these ridiculous uh institutions, organizations, and cynical people and and individuals and celebrities and whoever and and make a comedy out of it. like like if if a bunch of celebrities making a bunch of white celebrities making a black and white video of them like i don't know singing imagine or hmm. or grovelingly apologizing to to all black people in yeah. the world if that isn't funny hmm. then i don't know yeah. what it is yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's hilarious like so i don't know well do you think that's coming I fuck, Surely I, that's coming. It has to be because I mean, you know, you can't go on like this. Like no. I, I feel like there's a kink in the hose, and it's just building and building, and and we're all waiting. We're just waiting for someone, the next Ricky Gervais, whoever it is, who's got the courage, uh, the next Mitch Hurwitz or whoever, whoever Jerry Seinfeld, whoever Larry David, probably more likely, yeah. someone who is just going to totally tap into all this stuff and just go for it and make. And and heal us. Hmm. Well, Larry dips his toe in 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 the later seasons, ten and eleven, hmm. like when he's meeting with the Netflix, the heads of Netflix, and you've got, you know, you've got a non-binary person, you've got a person in a wheelchair, and so they've got this whole diversity panel that he's meeting with to talk about his new show, you know, and there's a few interactions there that that are you know touching on this, but he, you know, he hasn't fully gone there. The video where when they got when they're dating. Oh and yes, like, yeah, the yeah, consent yeah. video. The consent video, yeah, that's very mm. good. Yeah, so he does tackle some of these modern things, but he's but, but he's but old. He, that AJ said it. He's old. He's old, that's and right. he's uncancelable. Yeah. That's like, right. No yeah. one can cancel him. He's yeah. he's in a late period, and he doesn't need. He doesn't need. He's not hungry. Like no. he, like him and Andrew Schultz have a different uh, uh, um, 
plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm. like Larry David can do whatever he wants now, whereas someone like Andrew Schultz has to play it. You know, he ha- like mm. he, he's he's hungry, and you know, it's that generation. It's the Ryan Longs. We need Ryan Long to be yeah. abs- mm. accepted by the mainstream, and like. You know, I watch his videos. He does one a week. There is no... Why isn't Ryan Long uh, running a sitcom? Mm. Like, why isn't he a showrunner? That's a fucking Mm. disgrace. That is a Mm. fucking disgrace. He should be smashing it. Like, in a previous era, I'm sure it would have happened. You know, like, you just go... you Like with Chappelle Show or whatever, you just go, this person's amazing. They're next level. No one's even found him uh and we're going to get him for less than than you know we thought and that's great and they're going to work they're going to work and this thing's going to be dangerous and funny and we're going to protect them but it just feels like yeah to wrap it up it just it's just a, a damnable era and and you know where, where where we can't even we can't even get our nuns on the run you know <laughs> anymore like like it's just yeah you know do we need imams on the run Yes, but we do though. We do. <laughs> I just don't want to get uh, a Kalashnikov in my face. <laughs> or to get your I fucking want. head cut off. Well, look, you With know, the meat cleaver. I just, I'm not that. I kind of, I kind of like my head. Yeah, where it is. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. Well, anyway, well, quick pivot, perhaps. Uh, well, we, you know, we've got to cover quite a bit of ground. I, I, we've got to talk music in a sec. I think uh, we do. I want, want to hear from from yeah. you about that, uh, Ricky. Well, actually, why don't you get, hit us with the music? Come on, let's go. Well, the music always stuck out to me. Like I, I, I could sing that that opening song like off the top of my head. You know, it, even after not seeing seeing uh, Nuns on the Run for like ten years, I, I knew it, and I was singing it around the house before before I watched it for this show. But um, <laughs> I, I, I've never done much research into what this is. But uh, it's actually a Swiss electronic music duo called Yellow, and Yellow as in yellow, like without the W. Hello, Yellow. Yes. Um, and when I was watching it this time round, I I turned to my wife, I turned to Wenger, and I was like. I don't think I can even describe this what the style of this music is. It's like it's like a it's like a bit of jazz, it's like a bit of world music, it's like a new bit wave, of big, 80s big new band. wave. It's but it's like it's this its own style. It's like it's got everything in there. And um so the band was formed in 1979 and for most of its history it's been a duo and the the two guys in it are Dita uh Dieter Mir and uh, Boris Blank. And they also had another founding member, but he left uh, in 1983. But um, so they, they use a lot of unusual music samples uh, and, and like a pretty heavy reliance on rhythm and uh, Dieter Mir's dark voice as well. And uh, they, they make use heavy use of sampling. And what I read about them, which is interesting, is they don't use any samples from previous released previously released music like nearly every instrument has been sampled and re-engineered by boris blank who over the years apparently has built up this this amazing original uh sample library of thousands of named and categorized sounds that he uses for for all these tracks and um i think it's used so well in nuns on the run i think it, it really gives the whole movie a drive because it is so rhythmic and i think I, th- I think the 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 movie would really suffer without this music, don't you think? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Oh, it's so fun at the start. It's a yeah. very fun opening. Yeah. You're in for a good time. 
And that that opening piece has been used in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and mm. a number of other a number of other movies as well. Uh, it's probably their most well known uh, piece. Bom bom, bom bom. Oh yeah, yeah. I think yes. it's called. I think it's called. Oh yeah, it is. Yes. I mean that's it's it's classic, you know, classic eighties track, and and uh, John John Hughes I'm sure was all over it because he um mm. he was obsessed with with UK music yeah and that's why he sort of borrowed and so here it is at the source you know? yeah 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 well um, these guys are Swiss I think yes well Swiss but yeah you know yeah. but they're so uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch that little documentary I sent to you guys about Yellow they're so daggy though these two guys <laughs> really like they were always so daggy they're still they're still kicking kicking around today making stuff they got like fucking 20 albums or something that's amazing yes no that is fun they 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 really uh drive the film Mm. great definitely you know it it, it just propels us through the story so are we are we doing some keeper or creeper tonight? of course we are of course we're doing keeper or creeper all right so like let's just let's we'll get get this going so let's start obvious so we've got eric idol as uh brian hope or uh well look you know he's a nice guy earnest Hmm. earnest so i don't know quite a nice smile i think you know have i got face vision in this scenario Ah. (laughs) 2020 (laughs) <laughs> mm, no, you can definitely see. Him. So okay. anyway, so anyway, he is forty six. So mm. I don't know, I don't know. That sits with there, but um, uh, he look. To be honest, he's been in the rat race too long, and he's mm. looking for a sea change. And um, you know, he he likes to dress up. It's true. So, or take that however you like it. That good as fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I don't really have much else to say about him. And Ricky, have I missed anything out? Or uh, he is a gangster. Oh, That's well, true. You know, I don't lie. I just I, I never kiss and tell. I just say, <laughs> say he's you know um, uh, I don't know. He he gets around. So anyway, mm. uh, keeper or creeper, Brian Hope. Mm, creeper. Yes, I should, probably should have let you know that he does pretend to be other people a lot. Oh. <laughs> So actually, you did you dodged a bullet. So because if you did keeper, and I let you know that, then I might change things. All right. So next up, Robert Patterson as uh, Mr. Case Casey. Mm. Do you like him, young AJ? I do. Okay. Well, <laughs> Casey's your man. Okay. Successful businessman. 
he's head of a firm. Hmm. Now, not a law a law firm. Oh. Sort of a different kind of different kind of setup. But uh, anyway, he's got. Look, to be honest, he's got a bit of odd cadence in the way he speaks. But I don't know. It could be charming. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Um, he's got a bit of a bad boy energy. Yeah, that's true. But sort of La Femme vibes as well. I definitely La Femme. <laughs> So Moz Def. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you feel about yeah. that. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we didn't really see him with any women, so I don't know. He's pretty dedicated to his work, to be honest. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. He does read comic books as well. So yeah. <laughs> you've pointed that out. <laughs> anyway, Keeper or Creeper, Case? Yeah, Creeper. Creeper. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. All right. So uh, Tom Hickey as Father Seamus. Oh, this is the full title: Tom Hickey as Father Seamus, comma the somewhat lecherous priest of the nunnery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I just I I feel like the name says it all. So anyway, keeper or creeper, Father Seamus. <gasps> he was quite naughty, wasn't he? Oh no! <laughs> if you oh, like a bit of a naughty cheeky. time, that's right. Yes. Creeper. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and finally, Robbie Coltrane as Charlie McManus, a.k.a. Sister Inviolata of the Immaculate Conception. He's a big unit. Uh, <laughs> not a health nut. No. Healthy appetites for... Eggs food. and chips. Eggs and chips, fries, yeah. <laughs> women as well. Mm. And he's not just a baller with the women. He's a, he's a baller proper. He's, a, he's like a, he's a globetrotter. Like proper, mm. he is. He is UK's the UK's answer to LeBron James. Like amazing baller. So <laughs> that I don't know how that sits with you. Um, yeah, good Catholic boy. Um, yeah, I, like I likes them titties. He well, does. he does, and um, so it's nice to know. I mean, you got to. Know, it's nice to know he's interested. That's you know? true. That is so, true. Yeah, uh, 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 keeper or creeper, Charlie mm. McManus. Creeper, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I thought oh. you were going to go keeper. He was nearly there. Mm. Okay, now fair enough. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it'll work out. That scene and that shower scene mm. is so good. <laughs> so good. So to describe it for people, it is. Uh, we so, just cut. Yeah, go on. It's uh, Robbie Coltrane as Sister Inviolata of the Immaculate Conception in. The the communal shower block with these young twenty something year old students mm. is just sitting there on the bench, just copping an eyeful, mm. just sweating, sweating, <laughs> um, unable to string together a sentence. And they're doing there's 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 a couple of chicks who do walk bys the camera uh, yeah. and or put their boobs right in his face and stuff like yeah really to lean over to get a towel or something wonderful, mm. wonderful stuff. yeah. <laughs> And Great then, stuff. and then you get Brian comes in dressed up as Sister Euphemia. Yes, and long shot. I love the long shot. He he just he can't believe what he's seeing. And then one of the women, one of the young girls, says to him, "Are you okay?" And and he just goes, "It's it's it's so steamy." <laughs> <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Sister Angelata, you play great game of basketball. How come? I wasn't always a nun, my dear. Are there any other games you're good at? Yes. But I can't play them with you. Aren't you going to take a shower? No, no. I'm very shy. Sister Violata! Are you in here? Yes. Oh, listen. 
Listen, I... Oh. What's wrong, sister? Nothing. I just came over a bit funny. It's so un... Steamy in here. Yes. It certainly is, um... Steamy. <laughs> No, it's great. I love. I I wish I could do a whole documentary of locker room scenes, like yeah. just just you know. I remember them all so vividly. <laughs> you know, Carrie, Porky's, one, Porky's. You know, yeah. they're just they're just the best. They're so yeah. good. You know, is it like, Porky's the one where they they're measuring their penises? Uh no, that you that yeah, that's we've done that on this show. Mm. That's, I know uh, we last, have Last American Virgin. Yes, mm. right. It's getting confused. No, no, it's you know it's good. We're dipping back into the catalogue, so you That's can right. uh, listen to our review of that mm. uh, if you like. Very early on. Very yeah. early. On. So, look before we uh, you know sort of start our downward uh, descent. <laughs> I just wanted to give people a little bit of info on because you know this is I have done a bit of ranting and raving, so I think that uh, I just want to give people some some uh, education on on uh, handmade films. Uh, that's the one of the companies that made this film. Now, whenever you see that logo, handmade films, whenever I see it, I'm I'm always delighted because it usually means you're in for something very interesting. So they did a bunch of really cool movies in the 80s. Now, just to, as a as a side note, they didn't make a lot of movies in the UK in the 80s. So he, here's an example. So 1980, 58 films, 81, 40, 82, 67, 83, 37. So it goes on 70, 58, all the way to 1990, 51 films. So, I mean, it sounds like a lot to us here in Australia, but that's not a lot really. Um, and Handmade Films was just one of the companies out there making things. And so I'll read you out the story of Handmade Films. This is from a, a, a pamphlet I found called Back to the Future, The Fall and Rise of the British Film Industry in 1980s. Uh, by BFI. Uh, so this is Handmade Films. Uh, it was a tough job trying to produce British films regularly in the 1980s, but Handmade, a company set up for a one-off dabble in the industry to produce a film a millionaire fancied seeing, managed to do just that. Or rather, they managed to do that with mixed but occasionally brilliant results for over 10 years until the aching uh, familiarity of the British film industry uh, uh, British film industry. It all went uh, very, very wrong. In 1978, EMI withdrew support for the uh, for the Monty Python team's irreverent religious satire, Life of Brian. Former Beatle George Harrison, a big fan of the comedy team, stepped in with his American business manager, Dennis O'Brien, so they're the two names you see at the beginning of the film, uh, to fund the project, and the film became a surprise big hit, the fourth biggest film at the UK box office in 1980. This inspired a further Python-related project, Terry Gilliam's Fantasy Time Bandits in 1987, which also did reasonably well with both audiences and critics. From then on, the company quickly expanded into a serious production outfit, funding a range of titles from a gentle Michael Palin comedy, The Missionary, to a tough women's prison drama, Scrubbers. Although O'Brien, who dominated the company, fell out with the Pythons, Handmade showed a canny knack for picking up projects that had that had run aground at other companies and making them hits. A classic example of this is the seminal gangland thriller The Long Good Friday, 1979, which is, by the way, a great film. This is me talking now. Uh, you should check that out, Long Good Friday. Abandoned by EMI in production. They were also adept at memorable successes from the material that appeared to be very uncommercial, notably Neil Jordan's dark thriller Mona Lisa, another great film. Uh, Alan Bennett's rational comedy uh, sorry rationing comedy a private function and perhaps 
and most unlikely the uh, and most unlikely and most durable of all sleeper cult comedy with nail and eye from 1986 which oh. is mm. an incredible masterpiece mm. so we are going to cover that film in great detail at some point uh, which is why I'm reading you out all of this because Handmade did, I mean, with Nell and I is enough reason for you to know all of this. So moving on, uh, the obverse side of these artistic triumphs were some hard business practices that in many ways set the precedent for the way the British film industry works today. However, the way Handmade operated also sowed the seeds for its future downfall. Financial risks were minimised by an early use of completion bonds and pre-sales. Handmade uh, had dabbled in distribution unsuccessfully in 81, 82, but withdrew when they could not get a reasonable slate of titles together. Subsequently, they sold distribution rights to their productions around the world while the films were still being made. Dennis O'Brien forced these buyers into very tough deals. Fine when the titles were uh, were selling to customers, but when expensive failures like Water, 1985, and the infamous Madonna Sean Penn vehicle, Shanghai Surprise, 1986, played to empty houses... The well of goodwill towards the company had run dry and customers for pre-sales could no longer be found. Uh, in 1988, the company celebrated its 10-year anniversary. At the time, Handmade was lauded as a survivor that had established itself as a core part of the British uh, industry. Almost immediately afterwards, however, the whole enterprise began to unravel. The core of the problem was the differing aims of O'Brien and Harrison. Their complex relationship is detailed uh, in Robert Sellers' excellent recent chronicle uh, in the company's rise and fall, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. The ambitions of O'Brien clashed with Harrison's laid-back approach. O'Brien was frequently accused by filmmakers of interfering in the creative process and relentlessly pushed for extra revenue opportunities. This was particularly the case with his attempts to crack the American market. Harrison, by contrast, was much more relaxed, saying, I'm not into that trip of being a big shot, and I just hope that Dennis doesn't turn out to be a madman. It's good, uh, it's good that he's going for it in some ways, though. I would have been content just to do Life for Brian and Time Bandits. Uh, much happier just doing comedies. So anyway, it all in, it all ends up unraveling. But that's just a bit of background. You know, you, when you look into these things, you do find that interest. You know, I think we've talked about this before. But what we need to get back to is uh, rich, interesting mavericks making movies, helping people make movies. That's what we need. You know, to to get back to, we need to get it out of the hands of corporations and creeps the creeps who work at disney and the creeps who work at all these other places and we need to they need to hand over a check uh and well it needs to be an individual actually dino de Laurentiis or someone interesting like george harrison i mean you know this these movies happen because him and this this guy were just sort of yeah willing to take a chance and Mm. didn't george harrison fund the Holy Mountain. I knew you were going to say that. I think it's uh, uh, John Lennon. I think is that. Does that sound correct? Or I don't know. There, I, I know there were Beatles involved. Yes. So uh, anyway, The Holy Mountain is another film that we well, we def, we just have to do it. Because I can't wait for AJ to see The Holy like Mountain. An amazing movie. So I'll just check uh, who the producer is here. Uh, oh, the timing's right. Nineteen seventy-three. Uh, Holy Mountain. IMDb, maybe it'll tell me IMDb, taking me to the IMDb wiki. Anyway, so the point is that, uh, you know, the Beatles were int- were involved in interesting stuff and, like, you know, and they were artists as well. Like, George Harrison's an interesting artist, so he's like, oh, yeah, like, think about it. Without George Harrison, you don't, you wouldn't really, you, you may not get Life of Brian, mm. you know, and that, that That's would. That's crazy. Well, that would be a fucking shame. So, yeah. you know, and whereas with Disney, they're CGing out Daryl Hannah's butt. <laughs> yeah. Like that that's the opposite of the Holy Mountain. 
Like whatever the fuck the Holy Mountain's doing, CGing out of butt is. I mean, yeah. Hodowski would be CGing in butts. In <laughs> yes, he would in that movie. He'd, he'd be like, "How do we get some more butts? More butts? How do we get more butts up in this bitch? More butts. Uh, simple as you like." So anyway, that's handmade films. Uh, I just wanted you to know that because if we cover any more of their stuff, you've got a bit of you've got a bit of history there. Mm. Mm. Yep. I came across a uh, interesting article because I I thought I'd Google. Are there such thing as male nuns, right? Okay. Um, and I, I came across a Boston Catholic Journal from 2010, um, and they had this article because I think around that time it was being debated whether you could have female priests, which I think you can in some uh, some denominations of, of Christian churches in, in the UK. Um, so they were saying, well, you know, if you can have female priests, then aren't we inevitably going to have male nuns, you know? And one of the things that, that this article brought up is that um, priests are supposed to be other Christs in this world and nuns are supposed to be other Marys in this world. And they they actually, nuns are, are called brides of Christ, you know. So uh, they sort of debate all that. Um, what was the wash-up? Well, the wash-up was basically let's wait and see, and I haven't been able to find any evidence of, of any men becoming nuns, but um, they do talk about – I just want to read this quote from from that article where they're talking about um, a, a certain bishop who uh, was actually pushing to get male nuns. Uh, so, And just when I thought things couldn't get any weirder, I learned the identity of the bishop who was rumoured to have volunteered to take uh, nuns' vows – uh, the Reverend uh, Nick Baines, Bishop of Croydon, often spoke, uh, spoken of as a successor to Rowan Williams' Archbishop of Canterbury, says my informant, Nick is a big fan of Sister Act and we knew he was uh, keen to get ahead, as it were, so he was the obvious person to ask. Um, and apparently he was delighted because uh, he's all about challenging gender stereotypes. So this particular Reverend Nick, he was actually putting his hand up to be the first male nun because he loves Sister Act. So <laughs> great film. It is a great film. Great film. So I yeah. mean, I put my hand up. I will follow him. Heat wave. Heat wave. Surely there's some, uh, you know, non-binary kinko out there that wants to has some sort of a nun fetish. I don't know who wants to get inside the the order. You know, get inside. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound very like like of all the no, but all the things that the trans lobby's into. This is one area they're not in. They're not in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like they're like, we want to lift weights, we want to do all this stuff, we want to be this yeah. and that. And you're like, they're like, what about nuns? And they're like, no, yeah, yeah, not really. And I go, well, why not? And they go, and some of them go, well, you know, you don't get on cover of Vanity Fair. I want to be rich. I want to be rich and famous. <laughs> yes. Hey, well, just quickly, what is the deal with page three girls? How do we get page three girls? Like they 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 hold up a newspaper in yes. this and there's titties in it. Why did they why did they get titties in their newspapers and we didn't? I don't understand. 
I don't know. I think they got rid of them fairly recently in the last few years. Oh, it's disgusting. Why would they do it? Bring, bring them back. <laughs> bring them back. So well, that's another favourite scene of mine is when they're uh, when they're sort of um, staking out the the triads and uh, you know the triads kind of. Um, notice them hanging around so yeah. walk up to the car and and uh so brian pretends he's reading a paper he puts it up and you see the page three girl and then um and then the triad goes why you follow us oh yeah why you follow us okay <laughs> i won't finish the quote i'll just play it why you follow us hmm? why you follow us i don't know what you're talking about you policeman do we look like policemen? <laughs> no. Good. So, if you follow us again, I chop your arms off. Okay? I, uh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, we get the picture. You big it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so get this. Uh, Macmillan Dictionary, uh, page three girl, a woman who appears topless, and this is in brackets, with her breasts showing. Oh, in photographs in some popular UK newspapers. Okay, so um, where, they don't even have a registration link or anything. Where do I subscribe? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, what kind of, like, I don't get I, it. I want more information, though. Who were who these women? Are these, like, people that were sending in photos or were they models? Okay, here we go. Or... No, like here, personal ads. Yeah. Here we, here we go. Here we go. Page three was a British newspaper tradition of publishing large a large image of a topless female glamour model on a th- on the third page of the mainstream red top tabloids. The Sun introduced the feature publishing its first topless page three image on uh, 17th of November, 1970. The Sun sales doubled <laughs> in that year, no shit. There you go. So there's famous ones. And I think um, end of the feature, oh, February 2013. So that's the day the music died for me. If, <laughs> if they brought it back, it would just be, you know, trans women and well, yeah, lady dicks. And... I don't care at this point. <laughs> I want something, anything. <laughs> so anyway, that's probably a good transition. So uh, the Me Too meter tonight um, is, uh, you know, we've got some interesting stuff to cover. Okay, so we'll just dive in, and then maybe we'll hear we'll hear uh, some reviews. All right, Brian and Faith make a nice couple. Right? Yes. Yeah, they do. <laughs> if you're a pig man. Oh. Okay. Because he's 22 years her senior. Okay. So walked right into that. He's 46. <laughs> she's in her 20s. Even though it's none of my business and it's two consenting adults, I don't like it. So I think there needs to be more rules to make things more like what I like. Okay. So that's, that's just put that out there. Because we know that, you know, it might be 18 that a person's an adult, but I think there's, you know, just it's just power and that power imbalance, and I don't like it. So, yeah, change it. Okay, next up, diddle me this, Batman. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Father Seamus is a known sex pest. Okay, and they dare to make light of it. All right, they dare to make light of this. Rape culture is no laughing matter. Okay, there is absolutely no situation in which diddling and getting diddled is humorous. Okay, if diddling was funny. If diddling was funny, then, M- <laughs> then MJ would be the king of comedy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, I'm just telling you, it's not funny, so stop laughing. It doesn't matter how much diddling is going on. You just got to don't ever laugh 
because we know it's not funny in any situation. Just keep saying that word diddling. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's a technical term is what I'm saying. Okay, next up. Uh, back to the triads. Um, the triads, when Faith is sort of smacking around Brian, one of the triads says, look at that guy. I'm not going to do the accent. All right. <laughs> says, he says, look at that guy, henpecked. Mm. All right? Yep. Now, I was going to say that he was reinforcing damaging gender stereotypes, but Woke HQ just reminded me that it's probably his culture and his terrible attitudes towards women are okay because, I don't know, it's multicultural in that. Mm. All right? So that's what they said, AJ. I didn't, That's again, that's not me. Or that she's in charge. Or that she's in charge. Well, so, well, if that, well, if that's the case, if she's in charge, then... That's beautiful and brave and yeah. courageous, <laughs> and and that's 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 how it should be. Mm. That's how it should be. And peg the patriarchy is what I say. You know that. So, next up, locker room talk. All right. There's a scene after PE class where Brian finds Charlie in the female change rooms. There's a range of nubile flesh on display, boobs and bums. You get the picture. All right. He's clearly aroused. AJ. <laughs> Turgid, probably. I don't know. Uh, firstly. If you think that naked young women soaping themselves down is good, then I don't know what to say, all right? And furthermore, if you think that an overweight gangster pretending to be a nun and suffering because he has to maintain his cover whilst being overwhelmingly sexually excited is funny, then there's something wrong with you, okay? That's not funny. That's just not funny, okay? And once again, in another matter, we're subjected to the male gaze. Too long women have had to suffer from the male gaze. Don't you get it, Ricky? They don't want to be looked at. All right, so stop looking. The last thing a powerful woman would want is to appear on the cover of Vogue, L, Install, Mary Claire. Okay, and they don't want to spend three thousand seven hundred fifty dollars, you know, a year or two hundred and twenty-six thousand dollars, roughly, over a lifetime on appearance. But they're forced to do that. Okay, so stop looking. Stop looking at the plunging necklines, the sheer stockings, the tight yoga pants. When a girl walks ahead of you and starts up the stairs at the train station and you can see the hem of her miniskirt sort of dancing and teasing you with what may lie beneath. Thank God. Um, what was I saying? Anyway, you get the picture. Oh, anyway, at least, at least the girls were of age, I suppose, because uh, the filmmakers know the Benny Hill's rules of uh, rules for pervs. 18 to 22, we heard it in black and white. Uh, look, but don't touch. That's the rules, as we know. All right. So anyway, uh, but to be honest with you, from another angle, this film is deeply offensive to trans women. Uh, it's simply not the case that some people have used ostensible trans status to gain access to bathrooms and prisons. Uh, name me one time that's ever happened, Ricky. Uh, we spa. Right. Okay. So, so it has happened. It has. <laughs> okay. Well, that's awkward. So anyway... Don't worry about that. That didn't happen in this movie. Uh, we all had a good time. It wasn't what happened at Wee Spa. Anyway, that's the Me Too meter. That's what we, we, we've covered everything. That's pretty much everything, isn't it? Did I miss anything? Or? No. I think that's about it. There, there is that, um, oh, there's that scene where the, uh, the triad guy tells uh, Faith she should get herself a white cane. Oh, is that a race like, thing? Or? No, that's because she's blind. Thing. So that's like, uh, oh. you know, it's his ableist privilege. Oh. Um, you know, and he's telling her too. Oh, yeah. I, I, I wrote bet. that down and said lol after it. <laughs> Did you really <laughs> yeah. write that down? Yeah. That is that is when you know the bad guys have won. Yeah. You right. write down sis fucking P 
pig. <laughs> oh, I wrote down, you should get yourself a white cane. <laughs> that is a funny line. Actually, just one of my favourite lines while we're on this topic is uh, when, they, when they first dress up as nuns, uh, pretty much, and then uh, um, Charlie says to Brian, come on, this is our only chance to go straight. And he says, <laughs> you call this going straight. Yep. That's classic. That That's in all the trailers, all the promo. Yeah. It's great. Fucking champagne comedy. Mm, it's good. <laughs> all right. Well, what do we give this out of 10? Mm. Depends. Do you rate it high, AJ? No. I always have to think about other movies we've done, like Live and Let Die and mm. stuff like that, or recent ones we've done. Mm. So uh, I'm thinking like a five maybe. Yeah. Maybe even less, four. four yeah, five. I'm thinking four. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm with you sort of around that, sort of five, four. I mean, it just depends, doesn't it? Like I think it. I think they, it's got its head in the right and its heart in the right place. Yeah. And uh, it's not. You know the 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 cheeky, dirty stuff is exactly who would be doing it. Like Father Seamus is a dirty old fecker, and that's who he is. And you know, um, Charlie's a pig man. Like he makes like sleazy comments to Faith, and that's yeah, that's he's he's a cheeky guy. That happens. People do that. Mm. Oh, that reminds me of another great quote. Um, oh, this is Faith. Faith sleeps for ten quid an hour. Mm. Ten quid an hour. Good looking girl like you. I give you 50. <laughs> and she goes, sauce. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Well, saucy. You're being saucy. Oh, right. <laughs> but even the jokes with the father, like I think that he is a sex pest, but I don't think, I think everyone's onto it. So he's not really a sex pest. Oh, yeah. So, that, so they're able to monitor him, make sure he doesn't get out of line. Well, he's a joke, right? All the nuns are like, ugh. Yeah, well, it's like um, you know, there's that in in there's a family that uh, Katie knows, and everyone says used to say just you know it's all good, just you know tell everyone, tell the kids, everyone, just stay away from Uncle Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they just knew everyone knew who he was, and they just said yeah, just you know sort of keep clear, <laughs> just keep clear, and then they did, and it was all good. <laughs> Uh, anyway. <laughs> to play devil's advocate, I think someone who would find this movie really offensive would probably find the shower scene most offensive, like like dressing up as a woman to get access to female bathrooms, even though people are doing that nowadays. But it's only a problem <laughs> because because they're not they're not trans; they're still cis. So cis. so that's disgusting. You know, that's no, disgusting. So, so it's because they're they're, they're hetero and cis, and that's disgusting but if they were a beautiful trans man then that would be beautiful that's beautiful yeah then that's beautiful but the other thing is yeah is brian's deception of of faith like you know i think people would see that and go oh well he's just like you know he's hiding her glasses away and but he didn't do it to 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 nail her no he loves her Mm. and then and hasn't some people have already said this but isn't like a aren't most romantic comedies and and that sort of horror movies, in a way, like like, mm. isn't it? Doesn't it all involve stalking of some description, yeah. or yeah. sort of lying or stalking? And and let's be fucking real. Any the person who criticised that would I just look? I've, I never pretended to be other people and priests and shit. But yeah, sure, I'm sure I 
I'm sure I said a few lies to, to Katie to get her in the sack. I mean, so what? Like, what do you think? She told me the whole the whole truth. She's lied to cops and stuff. She's done way worse stuff. So, Tell go. me more. And well, I'm just saying, you you do the you do the math, all right? She's she's a fucking liar. And uh, we're we're married, so I don't know what to tell you. All right. What about the reviews? Quick. All right. Well, uh, here's one from the New York Times, a guy by the name of Vincent Camby. Uh, Hoods with a habit in Nuns on the Run. Uh, Nuns on the Run is a great leveler. It makes everyone in the audience feel a rascally eight years old. The age at which a whoopee cushion seems the greatest invention since firecrackers. Uh, the review goes on to say that uh, Mr. Idle and Mr. Coltrane charge through the, through the movie effortless, effortlessly, receiving super support along the way. Great. So New York Times loved it. Good uh, attitude. And Ebert hated, hated it. it one star. <laughs> so he starts out by po- uh, posing a question. Why do, f- why do filmmakers so often insist that nuns are funny? I'll bet there are some uh, psychological reasons buried around here somewhere. Uh, he goes on to say that uh, very little of the material is intrinsically funny. It's funny only if you find nuns funny or if the subject somehow seems daring or forbidden to you. The movie has the air of a gang of adolescent boys who think they're getting away with something, writing nasty words on the blackboard when sister is out of the room. Yeah, but Camby and him have got essentially the same review, except Rod Rebet hates himself and Camby <laughs> is able just to enjoy himself. You know? That's right. Well, also I think he misses the point. Like we're not laughing at nuns. We're laughing at dudes dressed up as nuns. Yes. And so, unconvincing dudes. Yes. yes. You know, and gangsters, uh, low-level yeah. gangsters dressing up as nuns. It's not, you know, no one's trying to pass as a nun. It's not, that's not the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Silly. Oh, missed it. All right. So some uh, some trivia for you guys. Uh, so as an in-joke, Brian Hope and Charlie McManus are credited as playing the flight attendants when the credits roll. Oh, that's gra- That's uh, actually very clever because, you know, I was just going to say this, that, you know, you need a point in your script of these types of ideas when you have an evolution and they do it twice in this. Mm. So mm. what's the first one? The first evolution. So they, they become the, well, the nuns, then it's... Uh, yes. Two. Then, then it's the uh, the nurses. Yes, and then mm. three, the hostesses. The, the hostesses, yeah. Which is great, yeah. you know. So this is this is taken for granted, but you know, only uh, only a part of the movie of Speed happens on the bus, and then yeah. the true. next part happens on a train. Mm. So you need to you, you need to evolve. It's called in screenwriting terms the negation of the negation. It's like it's like under siege. It's on a boat. Then it's on a train. Well, it's not. That's no. That's different. You see, that's that's. It's that's, a different movies, yeah. Different, that's a different movie, and it's <laughs> not good. It's not good. So move on. Well, that may that actually made me think of one of the scenes that I love is when the cops apprehend. Uh, so so Brian and Charlie, they've basically uh, stripped the nurses of their uniforms mm. and they've swapped the, the uniforms over. Oh so yes. The nurses get out and oh, then yes. the cops the cops stop them and then one <laughs> of the cops goes, "Come on." Uh, Rip, um, get you know, rip those clothes off, and then the the, the other police guys like, I, I I don't know, should I that that you know, and he's like, no, do it. There are men under there. Yes, rips off, rips off the nun's habit, and wearing the hot um 
lingerie. Lingerie. Matching lingerie. Yeah. Why would With garters and everything. But the best bit is there's a guy down the hall with a broken leg and and some crutches and he falls over. Shut up and take those dresses off. Again? You're kidding. Undress them, Constable. They're armed and dangerous. Are you sure about this, Sergeant? We're not allowed to strip search women. They're not women. I said, take them off. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, some of the extras are amazing. (laughs) When they're declaring their love for one another in the hospital room, there's a person behind them and I couldn't stop looking at that person. It was incredible. The extras were amazing. Great. Well, I, I knew I knew it was coming. That guy was going to fall over, and I was yelling at the screen. I was like, "Venga, check it out! Check it out! Look, look, look! What's going to happen back there?" So good. <laughs> so good. Uh, anyway, on with the trivia. Michael Palin was offered the role of Charlie McManus, but was unavailable due to other work commitments. Um, I think Robbie Coltrane's better. You know, yep. it's good having the thin guy and the fat guy. Totally. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. You, you'll love this one. You'll love this one, Astro. Brian is from London and Charlie is from Liverpool. The Japanese subtitled version, in the, in the Japanese subtitled version, Brian's dialogue is subtitled in Tokyo dialect and Charlie's is in Osaka. Osaka. Oh. Yes. That is yeah. fucking That's amazing. next level. That's that pretty is next cool. Level. Yeah. And they are significantly different dialects and and yeah the, the osaka dialect is 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 really rough and ready mm. so that would have been amazing so so therefore the meaning and their relationship would have been intact mm. you know because sometimes translation can just ruin the movie mm. that's mm. great love it the movie's tagline was the story of an immaculate deception oh that's great. really good yeah <laughs> excellent so uh, some of the film's promotional material featured interviews with actual nuns who saw and liked the movie. Oh, great. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I should do that more often. Well, yeah. yeah. You can't say anything then if they liked it. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> it's closed. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I think that, that, that sort of wraps it up. We're a far-ranging uh, episodes, and I thought we covered some some good philosophical ground. Hmm. Mm. Sure. Um, little Britain. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Which is good. Anyway, so next week we move on. You guys have put forward some great films for us uh, to check out in the coming weeks. So I think maybe. What do you want to do? We'll do uh, Bruce's Millions next week, or? Yes, please. Wasn't that? that, that yeah. Well, let's do it then. Mm. Yeah. We, we, haven't, we haven't done any Richard Pryor, so. This was one of my favourites when I was growing up. Well, wonderful. Well, we, maybe we should do this and uh, Stir Crazy. Oh, you want to just do, oh. go for it? Go for Richard. Why not? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. I mean, great. Can't wait. Excellent. Lock it. Well, we said what we said, AJ. Mm. Come on. <laughs> Didn't we? Didn't we? Didn't we? <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Well, until next week, long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. That's amazing.